Welcome to Blue Bloods College Game Time. A true blue pod production. Quarterback draw. He's got running room. And a first down. Watch out. He's got getaway speed. Touchdown. That game on last night had me sweating. I couldn't believe it. It was college game time. A couple of blue bloods out competing. College game day Saturdays. Big time players making plays. All I really need is another weekend full of back to back games. Just me and my friends, man. I love college. College football. I love March Madness. To another episode of the Blue Bloods College Game Time Podcast. It's Trey Smith. It's Brandon Holmes. Once again, welcome to Blue Bloods College Game Time Podcast, a podcast for the fans, by the fans. It was a little different weekend for us. No college football, not a yeah. not a ton. We had a little college football, but we this did. was this was a different weekend for us. But college basketball is in full effect, man. Oh, we had some we had some college hoops rolling. Um But before I get into our little blue blood double dribble for this week's episode, how about our YouTube this past week? Come on. Come on. Soccer clap. Shout out all of our YouTube subscribers who may be watching this video right now. Thank you for the the watches and the views and the engagement and the comments and the the subscribes on all of our sidebar videos. Obviously, this is... Our podcast right here, you're going to get a full just probably 45 to an hour long just discussion about college sports, like B. Holmes just said, for the fans, by the fans. But we've got sidebar videos that we drop every single day. So if you're watching this on YouTube right now, please hit subscribe. Come on. I mean, it's college sports content every day, plus a podcast. I mean, it's everything. If you're just listening right now on one of our platforms like iTunes or Spotify or whatever, wherever you get your podcast. Go check out our YouTube channel. There's a lot of other, uh, I guess I could call bonus content that doesn't quite make it to uh, the actual podcast. So thank you, thank you, thank you. We're on all socials. If you didn't already know that, you probably see it on one of the, somewhere on this graphic on this screen, (laughs) Blue Blood CGT on everything. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, uh, Twitter. And then obviously you can follow me at it's Trey Smith, B Holmes at Real B Holmes, right here below our uh, little ugly mugs here. But let's talk about some college hoops real quick. Hold on, I gotta clear that. I'm not ugly. (laughs) I'm a good looking man. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. So viral clip. I'm gonna start with this with the college hoops blue blood double dribble, man. Viral clip. A D3 school that nobody knew about or cared about, St. John Fisher. Let's okay, go. a D three player, a seven foot, three hundred and sixty pound monster named Connor, Connor Williams that nobody knew about and nobody cared about, who this week will probably sign a lucrative NIL deal with Barstool Sports oh, because absolutely. of one one clip that went viral. If you haven't seen it, go 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 to my go Twitter, Twitter page right it. now. It is the greatest thing ever. Like. He's working his way up the up the floor, <laughs> crosses half court, trips over his own feet. Like he yes. just trips over his own feet. All seven foot, 360 pounds of him, bow, hits the court, gets up, 
slowly but surely, slowly, slowly, slowly but surely, catches a pass at the high post, turns and faces, and then drops a dime to his teammate cutting back door. One. Boom for the slam and one. Looking like Chris Weber. All a, a, a seven foot, 360 pound version of him, just dime from the high post. So to me, that was one of the greatest parts of the college hoops weekend. Uh, but seriously, getting to some of the games, there was a controversial finish late Saturday night. Yep. Bama over Houston. There was a That's controversial a call on a goaltend on the last possession of the game. Uh, Houston was, it was Houston's ball, missed the shot. Yeah. Went on the tip in, okay, and I believe it was Reggie Cheney that uh, went for the tip in, who was a transfer from the University of Arkansas, who actually played uh, high school ball. I coached against him uh, when he was a middle school player, and then he was oh, a wow. part of the high school program his first two years of high school before he transferred out. But he went for the tip in, <laughs> and you know you have to go watch it yourself. It's all yeah. over Twitter. It's all over social media. Those of you, if you're watching this or listening, but uh, the Houston player blocked the tip in, but the 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 call is that it was over, you the know, rim. it was over mm -hmm. the rim. The cylinder. And uh, what'd you say? Over the cylinder. Yes, it was over the cylinder. So I don't know. I've watched it a couple of times. I did see one picture, like a still shot that definitely looked like it was goaltending. But when you're watching it in real time, it's really kind of a 50-50 call. Mm -hmm. And I mean... If Alabama's anywhere involved with a 50-50 call, whether it's football or it. basketball, they're, they're going to get it 90% of the time. But that was a big uh, big game. It was a number nine versus number 14, uh, and it was at Bama. It could have been a huge win for Houston, but anyways, yeah. take it take it how you will. I'm not a big blame the officials guy, but and I don't think that call was reviewable. Um, no, I don't think so. So it was, it was a bang-bang play, judgment call, just part of it. Um, and then another game, OU pile drived my poor Razorbacks, my number 12, formerly undefeated Razorbacks. I have a whole separate video about that. If you haven't seen it, you can go watch it. I'm not going to talk too much about the game, but what I will say is that I, I, I actually dropped a preview video for that game and you a did. post game video. And in that yeah. preview video, I did not anticipate the game being a blowout like it ended up being right. No, you didn't. But I did talk about Porter Mosher, the head coach for the OU, and how he might attack Arkansas and where I saw some potential concerns there on the Arkansas side of things and how would the chess match go. Right. And it actually kind of went that way if you watch that video. The thing I was not anticipating was that OU was going to shoot 59% from three. Yeah, mm. you heard that right. And if you're not a big basketball guy and you're like, what does that mean? That That's would be like amazing. a quarterback completing 90% of his passes in the game, and he yeah. threw 30 passes. Right. Completed 90% of them. So that's kind of the equivalent to shooting, you know, near 60% from three for the entire game as a team. And right. then you factor in the fact that Arkansas, staying true to form, how they've been shooting all season, shot 29%. So they actually won the extra possessions battle, Arkansas mm -hmm. did. But when you get outshot by 30%, as a team, you don't game. stand a chance. Yeah. I mean, unless you got you, – you would have to win the extra possession battle by, like, plus 20 right. to, just to give yourself a chance. And they were only plus five. But 
Anyways, that was another uh, upset. Number 12, Arkansas takes their first loss of the season. And I'm telling you, OU, I've said this in multiple videos, like they are going to be a team to watch come March. They no, suffered a very disappointing loss earlier this week to, um, or last week to uh, Butler. Uh, a few days before they played Arkansas, they had a second half collapse, gave up a 24 to eight run and ended up losing the game in overtime. And they came out Saturday and just dominated. It was on a neutral site. It was in Tulsa. Uh, Arkansas closed the gap a little bit, made a comeback, cut it to, I think, six. But even when we when, when it was cut to six, still felt like uh, you're down 20. And then yeah. another big upset over the weekend was Notre Dame over number 10, Kentucky. Kentucky. As an Arkansas fan, I hate Kentucky. when we lose in a basketball game, you always feel a little bit better when you see that Kentucky also lost. Kentucky. So Kentucky... Uh, suffered a loss to Notre Dame. And then, of course, the big matchup on Sunday, Baylor versus Villanova. That's going to be for the number one spot because, yeah. well, if Baylor wins, I know, obviously, by the time you're watching this, it's already been decided, but Baylor is looking to become the number one spot, um, number be the number one ranked team because Purdue, another I'll big say. story from the College Ooh. Hoops week, uh, they were upset by Rutgers early in the week on a, a just near half court prayer buzzer beater. They Purdue takes the lead. Rutgers has zero timeouts. Mm -hmm. Get the ball in. Two, three dribbles, get across half court and throws up a prayer. Boom. And that shot B Holmes was made by Ron Harper Jr., yes, who is sir. the son of five-time NBA champion Ron Harper. Those of you listening or watching might remember him from playing on the second three-peat team of the mm -hmm. Chicago Bulls, the one with Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and uh, Dennis Rodman. And then I believe he also won his other two with the Lakers uh, with the Shaq and Kobe I believe so. team. Um, I think he was a part of either their first two or their second two with their three-peat. So... I think second two. There's your Blue Bloods double dribble. B. Holmes, get us into Army Navy. Yeah, man. Yesterday, I mean, it was a slow day in college football. We only had one day. It, <laughs> I feel, it felt one game, excuse me, not one day. I don't want the people to DM me about how I misspeak. Um, that's <laughs> become a common thing. Hey, we're for the fans, by the <laughs> we're fans, for the man. fans, by the fans. Fans DM me like, hey, man, you, you said this wrong. I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, did you listen to 99% of the other things that I said that were right? But um, it was a slow day, man. It, it was yeah, – I, I had a little um, FOMO because I'm so used to, for what, 14 weeks now, it's just been college football, college mm. football. And we're entering into that phase where you're already starting to think about spring ball. You're like, okay, oh, man, what's – Recruiting. What, yeah, yeah, recruiting. <laughs> like, let's get in, into some of that. But Army-Navy, I love that game. Now – Last year was played in, or two years ago, excuse me, before the pandemic, it was played in Philadelphia, where I mm. live. And it's it's such a great, I didn't appreciate the game until it was in the city that I lived in. Because, um, mm. you know, you see it on TV and you're like, oh, that's cool. But when you're in the city that it's played, and it returns back to Philly next year, um, to see how many people come for that game. It's like, it's it's a whole thing. Like, I would equate it to... It almost has like this Rose Bowl feel. Mm. It's like the two, two of the oldest institutions in college football. It's Army, Navy. You know, they play off the patriotism. You got a lot of veterans that come in for the game. You got a lot of, lot of um, high-ranking profile people who have attended West Point or who have gone down to Annapolis. Um, and it's such a – it's a cool feel. 
And uh, one of my little young guys, man, he's like a like a young brother to me. He played football at West Point for a little okay. bit. And, um, it's just like a cool. It, it's one of those things you have to experience, I think, to appreciate. Mm. Like you can watch it as a fan on TV, and you're like, oh, that's cool. I watch because the game. But when you're like around it, you feel the energy that's in the city. Like Philadelphia felt so alive during that game, and it's already mm. a lively city. But it was cool. Um, but this year's game was actually really interesting because um navy they're they're not going bowling this year um they they had only won three games and army won eight which has been huge for them like the black knights if you look over them the last two to three years they've been a pretty solid team you know they're gonna win eight set it's not shocking to see them win eight football games or double digits even or double digits i think three years ago they're overtime loss away from ou from going undefeated um like if they capitalize off that there's no telling what happens with that that West Point team. Mm. Um and so it it but it's always good. They play that MetLife Stadium. It's like the battle of two old school offenses. And this is what I'll say about that game cuz most people probably don't look at it cuz you're not going to go spread. There's no beer and shoot. There's no air raid. It's just straight triple option football. But man, those boys was laying the wood yesterday. Mm. Like if you just like good pad popping, hard hitting football, that was a game to watch. Mm. Like, I watched the entire game, and I was like, yo, this is a slugfest. Um, and Navy ends up winning that game off a trick play. They end up winning off a um, a fake punt that converts on fourth down. Well, mm. the crazy part is the up back who gets the ball didn't even know he was getting it. <laughs> like, he said in a post-game interview, he's like, yeah, I had no clue the ball was coming. And if you watch the replay, you can tell it catches him off guard. Because um, I remember when I first watched, I was like, doesn't look like he was prepared for that. Like, normally you know when the trick play is coming. Um, but it was cool because he's a he was the Navy captain, and he I think he was the captain of captains. So at Navy, the Naval Academy, there's like the captain of the football team, captain of the basketball team, whatever. But then there's the captain of captains, and he's that that person's the captain over all sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's a senior, so I think it was just a really what an awesome way to go out. You you convert the trick play to make that happen. Um, Navy upsets Army, and I think the cool part of that game though is. I, and I said it in another video I dropped on YouTube uh, on, on our channel. So make sure you subscribe and check it out. It's Navy Army is a representation to me of what we've always wanted college football to be. Now, mm. I'm a fan of kids getting the bag. I'm going to say that every time. Former college athlete, I believe in kids getting the bag. If you're going to make billions of dollars off kids, they they deserve to get the bag. But it, it almost gives me like glorified Friday night lights feel. Mm. These kids aren't yeah. going to go to the league nine times out of ten. You know, 99.9% of the kids that go to the Naval Academy or go to West Point or go to Air to the Air Force Academy, they're, they're not there because they, I mean, they might think they're going to the league, but <laughs> chances are they're not going to the league. Like, they're there for the love of the game. Mm-hmm. They're there for the love of the game, and they're there for pride. They're, they're, praying, they're playing for the guy next to them, and being a former military guy, it's um there's this like unique bond you have with guys that you go through the suck with. You know, that's what they call it going through the suck. And mm. to see like teams of guys that have gone through the suck together that mm. are like, I think that doesn't embody team more than any other thing in the country. Like the military is beautiful. Like well, this isn't a political thing, but the military is beautiful to me because it's the one place I believe in the country you can take black, white, Latino, whoever, Christian, Catholic. Like whoever you put everybody rich, poor, all in one group of guys. And you come out of that thing in 12 weeks 
like I'm willing to take a bullet for this person next mm. to me. Um, and it's mm. so cool to like be a part. Like I remember leaving boot camp. Like boot camp is the craziest thing. If listen, somebody needs to figure out how to implement boot camp strategy into corporate America because mm. the 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 amount of unification you get out of that. And so to see that on a football field, like maybe because I've been a part of it, yeah, because I know what that feels like. It like it raises the intensity for that game for me because it's really nobody embodies. I'm doing this for my brother, like the military. Mm. Nobody embodies. Mm. I'm I'm watching my six. This guy's watching my six, like the military. Um, and so to see this two group of like men, the future leaders of America, come in and are like, we're about to play a slugfest football game. And I, I thought it was great. And so it was it was a low scoring game. So if you bet the under, always bet the under on that game. <laughs> Nine times out of ten, you're gonna win the under if you bet the under. Um, but it was a great game, man. I, I love I love the I love the cadets from both academies, all the stuff that comes with it, they actually have a really strong tradition. So I encourage anybody next time that comes on next year, watch that game. Absolutely. Like, I think you'll be thoroughly surprised by how much you enjoy everything that comes with it. Plus the jerseys are dope though. I don't know if you saw the jerseys. Yeah, from yesterday. yeah I did. The, yes. the jerseys were clean. So yeah. yeah, the army Navy game, great game. I don't, there's not a ton of highlights out of it. It was really the triple option versus the triple option, a bunch of heavy hitting, but to see these young guys that you're like, these are the guys that are going to lead um, in every level, man, uh, in our country, whether it's politics, whether it's the military, whether it's Fortune 500 companies that are just playing for the love. Like you go to those those institutions going, I'm doing this because I love the game. Yeah. Most kids that go to any other institutions like I'm doing this to try to get to the league. Those kids that are going to these academies are like, I do this for the love of mm. the game. I do it for the love of the game. So and on that, you know, for me, like. I'm I'm a young dude, but like I'm an old school fan. Not right. like get off my lawn old school, but old school <laughs> right. in the terms of like I still like old Southwest Conference matchups, right? right I like right. it when a when an old Big Eight team faces off with a former Big Eight rival, like like a Nebraska Colorado. I'm gonna watch that because it just it takes me back to what I grew up on. And so watching two teams, triple option versus triple option, like I'm all in on that. I'm not saying I want to watch that every single week, but that one right. weekend, Army-Navy, I'm all in on it. And I want to plug this real quick, B. Holmes. Uh, we've actually got a UTSA player, Miles Benning, uh, yeah. an interview that we'll be releasing later this week with Miles, um, who's coming off a conference championship, getting ready yes, to go sir. into bowl prep this week. Um he started his playing career at Navy, at Navy. Yep. and uh, we're going to get him talking about what that was like and, and what that Army-Navy experience was. So be on the lookout for that. We will be re releasing that uh, later this week. Um, it, it'll be a great one, but it'll be on our uh, Game Time Interviews playlist. So, well, that was the only game, yeah. but that wasn't the only college football action we had no, over the sir. weekend, was it? We had a... We had a little bit, uh, just a little tiny award that goes out every year just to, the, to the best player or just the best stat line. I don't know if the right. Heisman goes to the best player or the best stat line anymore. I have a couple things on this, but B. Holmes, what were your thoughts from the surprise, surprise, Bryce Young winning the Heisman Award? I mean, I wish we could have saved ourselves a whole ceremony for it. Like, I knew who was going to get it. <laughs> Bryce Young. Bryce Young is going to get it. Um, yo, so shout out to Alabama fans. Y'all have been blowing me up for, like, two weeks because y'all haven't really watched the video that I posted. Y'all, like, this is my thing about Alabama fans. I don't care. We're going to drop another video about Alabama. Um, Alabama fans are annoying. So I make this whole video about Alabama, right? You've seen the video. 
I've seen it. A lot of people who listen have seen the video. Objectively, if you watch the video, I actually give Alabama a lot of kudos. I give them a lot of I like I I I give them their flowers. I say Bryce Young is great. Only thing I say is I just don't feel like he deserved he I feel like he didn't deserve the go to the Heisman ceremony. And if he did, I didn't feel like he should have won it. I felt like it should have been a defensive. This if any year had it, this could have been a defensive heavy Heisman moment. I believe Anderson from Alabama. I believe he could have won it. Now, obviously, I'm on the roof of my guy, Aiden, but I believe Anderson, I mean, what he did this year was incredible. If he was coming out this year, he would probably be the number, he'd be one of the top two picks in the draft for sure. sure. I believe Jordan Davis from Georgia should be there. I believe Aiden Hutchison should have been there. Um, So, how I feel about, I mean, I knew Bryce Young was going to win. I love it. I love seeing, I always say, and some guy was like, the moment he says this, I just turned off the video. Uh, I always enjoy to see a, a, a brother do well, a black man, an African-American male do well and get the most prestigious award in college football at the number one spot on the field. I will never be mad about it. I will never complain about that. I think that is amazing because of the time like I grew up in an era. This, and I'm not I'm going to get off my soap. I'm not going to my soapbox. But I grew up in an era where it was like the only black quarterback I ever saw was Steve McNair. Or and then Randall Cunningham, like Warren Moon was like an afterthought, you know, for me, like coming up. And then Mike Vick came and it changed the game for us. But like I remember people saying, like, black people don't play quarterback. So whenever I see a young black male winning playing quarterback and win, hey, I'm rooting for it. But to go back to the Heisman ceremony for it, I just don't I don't like that it's become a stat line award. It's supposed to be for the most outstanding football player in the country. Correct. And if you're being objective, I'm not saying Bryce Young isn't great, Bama fans. I'm not. He's great. He's going to be the number one overall pick next year when he decides to come out because he's coming out next year. What I'm saying is, though, objectively, I think there's some better players out there that mean more to their team. And th- and this is what I'll say about that. If you – I'm not – I I'm I, – I believe if you take Bryce Young off of Bama, Bama still is Bama. Fair. I believe if you take Will Anderson off of Bama, Bama's still Bama. I think they still win. I still think I, I, I think they're still in the same position they're in. Fair. I think if you take Kenny Pickett off Pitt, they're not they're not that. They're not going to New Year's Six. They're not going to New Year's Six. I think if you take C.J. Stroud off Ohio State, they're still Ohio State. They would have put another quarterback back there who, if you're throwing at three first-round wide receivers and probably a future running first-round running back, it's really not that hard. I believe, and this is as a Michigan fan, I'm being objective, if you take Aiden Hutchison off that defense, we're not, we, we're not where we are. I'm, I'm just going to be objective. Like We're not where we are. He's the heartbeat of that team. So that's my beef with the Heisman. I'm like, uh, it's become a stat line war versus, like, that's how I would look at the criteria if I'm a voter, if I was a voter. If I remove this guy off the team, does the team still do what the team did? I would also go as far as to throw Jordan Davis in that conversation as well, where does that defense perform? Now, I know all our, our memory right now is just Alabama exposing right. them. Right. Right. And the SEC championship. But if you can get away from that and just look over the course of the season, if you pull Jordan Davis off that defense, are they they're still going to be one of the top defenses because they're just loaded with talent. But right. When you remove that anchor 
and how much he's able to disrupt things or how much he disrupted all season until the SEC championship, mm-hmm. you, you could make that same argument for the value he adds. And I would even say, as it pertains to Bryce Young, Will Anderson, I think Bryce Young, I, I on, am on the flip side as you. I say he deserves to be there because I think if you pull Bryce Young off of that Bama team, unless Mac Jones 2.0 is sitting there waiting in the wings, I'm not so sure they beat Georgia in the SEC mm. championship. I'm not so sure they get past Florida or True. Auburn. Right, True. some of those yeah. closer games they had this year, even Arkansas, that was yeah, a close like, game. Whereas I think Will Anderson, yeah, he had probably the most impressive stat line for a defensive player in the country. But to your point, if you pull him off that defense, do they win or lose more or less games? I don't know. If you pull Bryce Young off that team, that's true. I I think they do. Whereas do to your point about Hutch with Michigan. No, they don't win as many games as they win if he's not playing. They just don't. I don't care what the stat line says. Stat line doesn't always equate to impact. And that's what people don't understand. And I think that's what was starting to bother me about all the comments you're getting on that Alabama (laughs) video from people that either, A, weren't watching it or they got too emotional while they were watching it and and missed what you were trying to say. Because they're trying to call you out like you weren't making a grounded point. You literally just took two and a half minutes and, and, and I don't see how you could have been any more clear or, or <laughs> like objective in the point you're trying to make, which I agree with for the most part. Obviously, I, w- I still would put Bryce Young there. I think mm-hmm. what Bryce Young did to that Georgia defense, and this is part of my bias towards how enamored I am by that Georgia defense, and he just exposed them. Oh, my God, he sliced them. It was bad. And, and I'm going, like, to me, that was his Heisman moment. Not, not yeah. the 97-yard drive against Auburn. Not that that wasn't amazing, but we've seen that this year. K.J. Right. Jefferson for Arkansas did it twice in SEC play, okay? Right. One of them against Mississippi State and one of them against Ole Miss. Now, the Ole Miss we went for two and lost, but Mississippi State took them down. I mean, and then there's other quarterbacks. Kenny Pickett, like, other quarterbacks have done that this year, right? But what he did to Georgia, nobody in the country has done. No. Nobody. Nobody. So... That's why I feel Bryce Young deserves a ballot. I still would have loved to have seen a defensive player get it. And I still wouldn't have even had a problem if uh, Will Anderson would have been there and they would have just yeah. had five or, or send him there over CJ Stroud. I mean, you talk about being surrounded by five-star talent. Um, and then well, I was looking at the final rankings. You had Kenneth Walker, the third on there. He was, you could make the same argument for his value if he's not on that Michigan oh State gosh. team. They're they, they, they may very well be games. six and six. They win six games. Yeah, right? I mean that's a six and six team. Um, I see Matt Corral's on there. He finished overall in seventh. You know, let me say something about Matt Corral, okay? Because Time we are starting to, to get some. <laughs> no, and, and he's one of them that I'm yeah, talking yeah. to. But um, we are starting to get some Ole Miss viewers just based off some of the videos you've dropped. In fact, you put one about Arch Manning. And uh, Kiffin teeing up, yep. possibly bringing T. Martin into the Ole Miss staff. And so we've kind of gotten – we our, our Ole Miss following has expanded a little bit beyond just our boy Tommy. But shout out to Tommy. I just want to clarify because I don't feel like anything I've ever said about Matt Corral is hating. I literally <laughs> have only asked one question, which was mm-hmm. this, B. Holmes. Does his game translate to the, the NFL? NFL? Yeah. And let me let me give you a player comp 
to justify what I'm saying, that if you think this is hating, like you're an idiot because this is not, I mean, this is actually very complimentary of what I'm about, who I'm about to use as his player comp. Okay. Matt Corral. Let me preface it with this. He's not as fast as this guy, which is a big difference. Now, he can still make plays with his legs like this guy I'm about to say did. He's just not near as fast. He doesn't have the home run breakaway like this guy I'm about to mention. Matt Corral plays the game very similar as a collegiate player to RG3. They play in similar systems, really kind of the same system. They've got cannons. They can make plays with their legs, whereas RG3 was a little bit more of a home run hitter, but he was like a... He's a I mean, world-class... I was about to say, he's a world-class sprinter. He really was. But if you look at their builds, how they're built, they have very similar frames. They throw the deep ball almost identical, which I'm not taking away from that. Like, Matt Corral throws a beautiful deep ball. Mm-hmm. RG3 threw a beautiful deep ball. And off of that play action, I mean... Yeah. Running that veer and shoot offense, both of them are like magicians with it. Yeah. Now, the veer and shoot offense is is a one read. I mean, it's very similar to the wishbone. It's just instead of lining up under center and reading a pitch man, you know, you're either taking a shot or you're reading. I mean, it's 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 very similar. You can hear Art Browse talk about this. He's like, we're just running wishbone from the spread, (laughs) you know, and we're just running it really fast. And so that's my player comp. Now. RG3 was the number two overall pick in the draft, went on to become rookie of the year. So what I, what I mean when I say does his game translate to the NFL is RG3, the way he plays the game, he only lasted, what, two productive seasons? Yeah, for you. Maybe? Yeah. And I love RG3. I loved watching him play. I, I wanted him to do really well. And I'm just saying that's what I mean. Like, that's what I see when I watch Matt Corral. It's like, he, you yeah. can't take away from the talent the guy has. Right. I just wonder, okay, he's very like, I'm surprised he survived the season with how he plays. He takes a lot of hits. He uses his legs. Now, you could you can use that as a compliment. Like it's because right. he's he plays the game like a warrior. Like he puts his team on his back. I'm not taking away from any of that. I'm just saying, does all of that translate to the NFL? Because the only guy who's who's like that in the NFL right now is Lamar Jackson, but he's on a totally different, right. totally different totally level different field. Yeah. as it pertains to um, his ability to make plays with his legs and, and, and run the ball. And then just, I mean, that's, that's, he's in a different class than RG3 and Matt Corral, in my opinion, right, as it right. pertains to that element of the game. So that's why I wonder. So Feel free to disagree. Call me a hater. I really don't, I mean, I really don't care because like that I believe is a fair comparison and it's a fair question. Now, time will only tell. Right. Right? How he how he translate, but um we'll see. Yeah. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, I agree. I agree. I don't really have anything to say about that. I agree. I mean, is that is that like I'm not knocking the kid? No, I'm you're not. not. Like I completely agree. Like I don't have any. Like I don't even have a rebuttal for that. I think that's a good comparison. I'll be interested. Just I think it'll be system fit for Corral and at the next level where he goes is super important. Um, system yeah. is everything. But yeah, and that's and that's that's everybody. Though. That's most. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's most everybody. quarterbacks. There there are things 
cerebrally, you have to be able to do it that level, I think. And I don't know. I, again, may, maybe we'll maybe it's there. Maybe it's – I just know that at the collegiate level, one of the things, same with RG3, things break down and you're used mm. to doing this. Well, right. if you do this every single time in the NFL – you're taking years off your 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 shelf life. Yep. That's my point. No. Ballot. So, anyways. Um What's next? Oh, do you have anything else on Heisman? No, I just want to say shout out to Desmond Howard for throwing the shade that he threw at CJ Stroud. I don't know if you guys caught that. Um <laughs> Aiden Hutchinson's a true leader though cuz he didn't get into the banter like he I don't know if you guys saw the clip, but Aiden was like, you know, they asked him why he came back and how I felt. And he was like, you know, it was a great thing. You know, we came back. We wanted to beat Ohio State, which he was very vocal about at Big Ten Media Day. So it wasn't a shot. Um, and everyone's like laughing like, oh. And uh, Tebow, uh, Tebow goes, good thing uh, Kenny Pickett's in between to keep you guys separated. And Desmond goes, yeah, he could probably do a better job than your old lineman did. And, like, <laughs> if you guys watch the game, like, it's because, man, Michigan's defense shredded Ohio State's O-line. And uh, Aiden just kind of kept going on about the question. Like, he right. – the kid, he's a classy kid, so he didn't get into it. But I thought, man, Ohio – listen, this is it, and I'm done with this, and we can move on and finish our podcast. But Ohio State fans – suck they just suck i'm not even going to try to be politically correct they suck they're so soft like for 10 years straight i'm sorry i'm still gloating i don't care if we lose i don't care if i get blown out by georgia i don't care for 10 years i had to listen to them talk noise every day any chance they got to talk about michigan they did the one time we beat them like within 10 years you guys could do this with a little bit more class you guys don't know how to act act like you've been here before i'm like oh no 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 this is the same fan base that came to the big house with a <laughs> Chase Winovich head in the noose bloody in 2018. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like this is the same this is the same fan base that talks so much trash about us. Oh, trust me. We getting these jokes off all year. <laughs> we getting all this off of our chest cuz one of the most passionate Buckeye fans I know. Not won't say their name. But they talk trash all year. And this is where I was so mad about Buckeye fans this year. Because when Michigan, man, we take our L's. There's some toxic fans. But for the most part, we take our L's. We own it. It is what it is. Okay. Same way with Michigan State. We just took – you got to take it on the chin. Ohio – well, it's good that you guys finally – it's about time. First time in 10 years. Oh, no, no, no. Don't give me that attitude. You just you just need to sit there and take this. Don't, don't tell me to act like I've been here before. And so, you know, all the Ohio State fans last night on Twitter, this is why you guys can't win anything. You don't know how to handle it. I'm like – you guys are so arrogant. I remember Zeke when they won at 2015. Mm. You know, eat, feed Zeke. He's doing this after everyone. Cordell, whatever my man's name is. He's shotgun. He's yeah, talking track. Yeah, yeah, man. yeah. Cardell Miss Joe, me with that. So it was it was great. I, I love that Desmond took the the platform. And I love this. Jim Harbaugh making a public push for his player to be the number one overall pick. Um, he said he was like, I think Aiden Hutchinson should be the number one overall pick this draft. But then using that platform to also highlight Hassan Haskins, who are running back, who I also believe if if he's your typical flashy running back, he gets invited to that to that Heisman. He's just a low key under Hassan ran for Hassan is almost he's on pace to break Derrick Henry's records for the most first downs rush by a running Jeez. back in the season. He put five touchdowns up on 
Ohio. Like he's had Heisman moments. Yeah. He's just not the Blake Corum, our speedy back would be. If the roles are flipped, if the stats were flipped, him and Blake, Blake gets an invite to to the Heisman. Mm. I mean, so, but shout out to Jim, man, because we're coming in early signing day. I think that was a really good moment for him to show him, and he's done a really good job. But, you know, hey, we knew who was going to win. I'm just glad that my guy got an invite. It looks good for Michigan, especially as we're hitting the recruiting trail. Um, and so I'll, I'll take the win. I'll take the win for sure in that. Well, when you were talking about Hutch and the, the joke Desmond Howard made, I'm thinking about that clip. I think you retweeted, retweeted it on, on Twitter when it's like, you see Hutch getting down in his stance and like he's, he's like he's calling the out yeah. <laughs> the tackle and then just bull rushes him and puts him flat on his back on his way to the quarterback. And I'm going, yeah, that pretty Who much was, by up. the way, that tackle was an All-American. Mm. He's a projected first-round draft pick. Mm. And Hutch ate his lunch. And the guy on the other side is a projected first-round draft. So they have two first-round tackles. So he's bulldozing Orlando Pace. Yeah, they, they benched him, Trey. They benched oh. the tackle. They benched him. That's so. That's what I'm saying. The Heisman. It's not just if you look. If you're objective, I'm not saying Hutchinson should have won. But if you're objective, you can go. I can see why I could give it to him. I mean, mm-hmm. the kid's a baller. But hopefully, that fuels the fire for him, and he balls out, and we just come home with a natty in a couple weeks. I'll take yeah. that over Heisman any day. Well, uh, it appears the coaching carousel is starting to come to a close i think the final big dominoes have dropped with oregon yeah. and ou making yeah. their hires uh ou hired brent venables uh, the longtime hire. former ou assistant in fact we were kind of on that i mean yeah, back when riley it. first not that it took a rocket scientist to figure it out but back when lincoln riley first the news broke on our podcast yeah <laughs> like while we're in the middle <laughs> of talking about it right uh Venables was one of the top names we were we were mentioning. And then, uh, of course, Oregon hiring. The news has broke that uh, they're going to bring Dan Lanning, defensive coordinator of Georgia, which I wonder how does that impact Georgia's, you know, bowl prep. But he, he will be taking over that, that job. And then some of the mid-tier Power Five, like Virginia, yeah. they hired, yeah. what, Tony, Tony Elliott. Elliott. Yep, that was really The big. thing with Clemson – particularly offensive assistants. Obviously, mm-hmm. Venables will be the first defensive assistant because he's been the coordinator there for the last decade. But I, I've asked this before on this podcast, like find me a Clemson offensive coordinator turned head coach who was successful. Find me one. Yeah. And then I wonder what what's Dabo going to do with those two spots it feels to me like Clemson might be at a crossroad, mm-hmm. a crossroads, um, you know, where it was looking like they were getting ready to maybe take over Bama as the team, the, right. the program. Right. Especially after that year, a uh, few years ago when they put it on them in the national championship. Yep. And now it seems, okay, maybe – not having Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson is is shows you how good those guys really are yeah. for that program. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, to your point about the bro prep, if we're going back to Georgia losing their DC, he is coaching in the playoffs. I know, so, but I know, but he's he's a head coach now. You know, yeah. Like, it's it's what I mean by that is I know he's on paper doing everything he's supposed to be doing, but you're telling me while he's watching film, he's not thinking about Oregon. He's not thinking oh. about recruits. He's not thinking about 
he know, has to his establish own class. philosophy and That's all. Of, I mean, I, I just I, and everyone's going to say the right thing. Oh no, I'm 100 focused on winning a national championship. But now mm-hmm. the benefit to that is that Kirby's a defensive guy, and you got to remember they have Muschamp there too. Muschamp is yeah. a freaking defensive genius. Yeah. I mean, he's a terrible head coach, but defensively, yeah, defensively the guy's a beast. You, you can't deny so, it. So that's why I don't think they'll have too bad of a drop-off because you got off, a yeah. guy, Muschamp, who's an experienced DC in yes. big games. They got whoever the young guy is. I forget his name. They got the young guy they've been kind of grooming and bringing up alongside of him who's going to be the co-DC with Musk. Is it Trey Scott? It's, um, It's not. I can't think of his name. Okay. Uh, Never mind. But there's D-line. a younger guy, yeah, that they're bringing up who uh, Kirby has already said is going to co-DC with, okay. with Musk next year. Um, So that's why I'm still like, he's there. But even if he's – I'm sure I'm sure Musk is enough of an OG to be like, hey, like, do what you need to do. I've been a head coach. I right. get it. Like, whatever you need to do, I can fill in off the back end because I've coached in big-time games as a DC. It sounds like Kirby kind of already knew this was happening and was right. preparing it because he already had – the DCs in place or what he was going to do. Like the moment the news broke, he made the switch. Right. This is what we're going to do next season. No need to worry about who we're hiring. We're going to promote Mus and this young guy who we're preparing as co-DCs. They'll do this together, which is, you know, it's like an intern essentially. Hey, you're going to sit up under Will Muschamp, who's probably one of the better DCs we've seen over the last decade or so. Um, and we'll allow my man to, to finish coaching. But I, that's why I'm like, ah, you know, cause Darren Prince is like, Oh my God, we're screwed. And I thought about it yesterday. I was like, uh, not really. Like, Mus is a great – he's a good DC. Um, He's been in big games before. Um, I think the thing about Tony Elliott, I'm going to support him, you know, head coaching. This is why I was happy about Tony Elliott because it was already said, insiders broke it, if, if Virginia didn't hire him, they were coming after Josh Gaddis, our OC mm-hmm. at Michigan. He was like – they had already had conversations. They had pretty much told him, if Tony doesn't come, you're the, you're, you're the next name. Wow. Um, and so – I was really praying Tony Elliott was going to sign that contract because last thing Michigan needed to do was get rid of our OC who has been on fire yes. um, the back half of the season going into our first playoff game. So I'm thankful for Tony Elliott. I hope he does well. I think Virginia is a good program. I think, you know, if you win seven, eight ball games, go bowling every year, he'll get a shot at maybe a bigger name or a bigger program eventually. But I don't know what Dabble does, man. I'm, I'm with you. I'm questioning how good are they? Based upon they've had two generationally talented, once in a generation type of guys at quarterback. You went from Deshaun, I believe. I don't know who was in the middle of that. There's like a, a little brief time without Deshaun, but then you go Trevor Lawrence, mm-hmm. who might arguably go down as one of the best freshman quarterbacks to ever play college football. I mean, the dude was mm-hmm. like, he was a god when he stepped, <laughs> when he came to Clemson. So, and then you got three years of that. So, yeah, it, it was only one gap year, and it was when they okay. had Kelly Bryant. Okay, there it was. And then Lawrence came in as a true freshman and ended up taking his job like a few games into the season. Yep. Um, But that that team with Kelly Bryant made it to the CFP. They just got handled by Bama uh, because they were, you know, their their defense carried them all season. And then, yeah. Um, I'm wondering too. Does does like what's Dan Mullen doing right now? I mean, is that someone maybe on Dabo's radar um, to bring in or or you know, he's going to bring in quality coordinators, but gosh, losing Venables, like someone he's had to anchor oh, that defensive ever. side for the last decade. And then does Dabo start looking at, okay, what are my options now? I mean, does he start to maybe consider the NFL? Does he, I don't know. Like, I yeah. think, I think he's a guy that could, could do well. 
Um, he, he's, he's a culture guy, but I'm know. just thankful. You don't think he'd do well in the NFL? No. No. I think guys like Dabo thrive in college because they're the head honcho. You got you know, you get to, I said this on Wax a couple, early on when we first recorded about Dabo, when we start talking about the pitfall of Clemson. Some of the stuff that he's got away with saying, he can get away with saying and doing because it's college. They're kids still. They're kids. You can't yeah. go into a, you can't go into a um that's what we're seeing with Urban Meyer right now. You can't go into a grown man's locker room saying that stuff, whatever you said politically, and expect these dudes to really be like mm-hmm. wanting to play for you. It's just not I don't think he I think he does well at Clemson because it's college still. It's still kids mm-hmm. and you still have full autonomy. And guys like I think this is Urban's problem. I think this is a guy like Dabble's problem. I think it's partially well, I've heard good things about saving in the NFL from players. Like a lot of players say he's, he's the smartest X's and O's guy, but mm-hmm. they said he had the same problem. Like you just can't talk to people that way. Like I'm a grown man with kids. Um, I think guys like that, it's almost like a dictatorship. It's my way or the highway. You get away with that in college. You can do that in college. You can't do that in the NFL. Cause Dabo literally said, you know, I forget what he his what he was talking about. But he was like, if you don't like what I just said about this, you don't like this, there's the transfer portal. You can go. You can't pull that in the NFL. A guy would be like, all right. <laughs> like, you know, because as long as I put on good tape, somebody else is going to sign me. In college, you can get away with that because what the kid has no leverage. Um, yeah, so. see, Dabo has just kind of always struck me as he's, he's the dictator, like you're saying, but he's kind of the good old boy, like, likable dictator. To an extent. Now, I get what you're saying with some of his things that he he says that could be kind of considered, quote unquote, out of pocket or whatever. But mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I've kind of always likened Dabo. Oh, really? To No, I'm saying likened him. Like, I've, oh, okay. I've always <laughs> kind of compared him to Jimmy Johnson, just from a standpoint of. And what I mean is like where Dabo's at with Clemson and kind of where Jimmy was with Miami. Cause when, when Jerry Jones hired Jimmy to the Cowboys, everybody thought he was stupid. Like yeah, people yeah. weren't, I mean, he just fired the legend, Tom Landry. Oh, you're hiring your old drinking buddy from college to come coach the Cowboys. Oh, let's see how this goes. And then he goes one in 15 in his first year. I just think where Dabo's at age wise, but granted it was a different time then. It's Jimmy, different Jimmy could go, build those teams through the draft and didn't have to worry about losing all those guys. And then obviously all the drama that happened with Jimmy and Jerry. But so I don't know if, if Dabo is as good of a talent evaluator as Jimmy Johnson Mm -hmm. proved to be as an NFL coach. But what I mean from sort of his charisma, his, how dynamic he is like, like Jimmy was always this big charismatic dynamic leader, but like you always knew wherever Jimmy was, he was in control. Even the right. Miami guys on those 80 teams that were were wild. He right. they, they say it. They go, "Oh no, no. Jimmy, Jimmy was, was in control." Right. He he they said you he you were doing one of two things. You were doing what Jimmy told you to do or you were doing what Jimmy allowed right. you to do. Like right. there was no question about it. Now when Dennis Erickson came in, he was the big everybody loved right. players coach and then it was towards the end of his era was when their dominance kind of started to fade right. out. So it might be a bad comparison, but just for those specific reasons. I think it's just different, though, for Jimmy, man. Jimmy Jimmy has a different swagger. 
Like, if Jimmy, this, this is why I think it's a, I, I understand the comparison. I understand the comparison for sure. I can see where you get that. This is where I think it's a little different. Where Jimmy was able to be charismatic and where he was able to pull it off versus Dabo. Mm. Dabo's in, he's in, he's in the Carolinas. Jimmy did that in Miami with flashy, young, hot yeah. shot kids, a lot of egos. Lot, like, he was able to, those Miami guys had a different dog in them than those guys, than the guy that's going to Clemson right now. Those guys going to the U back then, that, that's a different kind of kid. And Jimmy was able to, hey, this is my way or the highway, but I still love you. Like, I got your back. Versus, uh, I might just be a Dabo hater. I'm not even going to, I might be a Dabo hater. I just, it's something about, Dabo gives me this vibe. He gives me used car salesman vibe. Jimmy gives me vibe of, like, that's my Aunt Tammy's cool cool husband, the white guy that she married. <laughs> like, that's who Jimmy gives me. Jimmy's like, okay, like Jimmy's you. the guy where you're like, oh, yo, Uncle White is like, oh, man, white, man, that's Uncle Jimmy. What's up, Jimmy? You're like, <laughs> and he doesn't try to be anything he's not. He's just Uncle Jimmy. Like, that's, Jimmy Johnson gives me, that's my uncle vibe. Dabo gives me the vibe like, this is a transaction, and you're trying to sell me on some stuff. But if I can benefit out of it, I'll deal with you. Here's what I'm going to tell you, though. And I'm putting this on the screen. All right, free promotion. This yes. book right here, you you really get a feel for, like, you see the clip, how about them Cowboys? Right. Everybody goes crazy. Dude, most of those players were scared of Jimmy, hated Jimmy, but they knew that, what he was requiring them to do is what would ultimately get them to where they wanted right. to be. They hated how he showed favoritism. They hate, you know, and I'm talking some of like the guys on the roster, not the Michael Irvins and right, the Emmett right, right. Smiths and the Troy Aikmans. You know, Troy Aikman loved Jimmy because he held everybody accountable. And right. so then Aikman was like, okay, I don't have to do it. That's what with the falling out with, with Switzer happened. Switzer came in and it was just like a free for all. Aikman's having to hold everybody accountable and it was draining him. But, it just kind of some of the things that like are unlikable about the, the to me the difference is and this is what does wear me out a little bit about Dabo is Dabo's a little more all shucks yes. he's a little bit more of an all shucks kind of guy Jimmy was never an all shucks kind of guy no Jimmy was a straight keep it a shooter one hundred percent time so that's that is a significant difference. I'm just looking at where they're at and the, like where Dabo's at in his career compared to where Jimmy was at in his career at that time. And if there was ever a, a moment for him to go to an NFL organization, hire some good coordinators, have some good drafts, yeah, he could bring that element of charisma and dynamic that you know some NFL organizations right now need. Right. That's but. True. We'll see. You know, I, I, I'm with you, though. I don't think the whole all shucks thing lasts in the NFL because they'll see oh, right no. through that. Right through that, man. But I also wonder how much of that is him just doing that for the media or, yeah. or, or whatever. Um, man, I don't know how we spend out on that. But, <laughs> um, I guess the only other coaching carousel. I'm looking at the notes. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jeff Levy, I think it's official. OC headed to yeah. OU. It's official. Um, and then um, – I think from my thought as a Razorback fan, like I'm loving how this whole coaching carousel panned out because I haven't really heard either of our coordinators, Barry Odom or Kendall Bryles really being brought up as 
as as candidates for anywhere else, whether that be yeah. a coordinator or a head coaching job. And you had some big jobs open, but they all right. kind of filled. The greatest hire that I think could end up impacting the Razorbacks positively is LSU hiring Brian Kelly because mm-hmm. those those kids, a couple of their big time guys, are hitting the transfer portal, and it's guys that like Arkansas was in the final running right, for right, right. them coming out of high school. In fact, right this this past weekend, is it Landon Jones, the defensive end from Texarkana, who is a true freshman at LSU. He was a five-star, one of the mm. top recruits in the country. I might have the last name wrong. I will look it up while I'm talking about it, but I think Landon Jones, he um he's he's in Fayetteville. Oh so awesome. they've is it is it let me make sure to get the last name right. It's not Jones. I'll find it though. Um Jackson. Landon okay. Jackson. Landon Jackson. Yeah. So he's a edge rusher, six seven, two seventy-three. Um Ooh, wow. Hit the portal, played at LSU. And uh, you know, I don't know that I don't know if that happens if they hired someone else. I, I just right. I don't either. Well, another big one that I think kind of going under the radar is Ohio State brought in Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State to be their new yes. DC. That yes. was I'm gonna tell you what that hire was about. That hire was Ryan Day got his butt whooped in Ann Arbor and got it ran down his throat, and his defense played with zero toughness. <laughs> and he's realized real quick we better sure this up because I'm not saying we're gonna do this again next year, but it seems like Harbaugh has found his identity again. Mm. Har- it seems like Harbaugh has found this is who I am. This is how I've always won. I've ran the football. I've got creative on how we ran the football. And then mm-hmm. I kind of kill you over top. But I'm going to – it. it's the rena- – and I hate to keep harping on Michigan, but we're just, it's, we're just a good team this year. It seems like this is the renaissance of Jim Harbaugh discovering himself. And I know that hire right there for Ohio State, that was a Michigan hire. That was mm. – I can blow every team out on my schedule. I can out shoot. I can out throw them, and I'm going to win 11 out of 12 games every year. Off of that, off that, off my offense, I can win 11 out of 12 games. The last game of the year, if this is what if this is what Jim is getting back to, because if you look back in 2016, that's how we almost beat them last time. We ran the freaking football. Yeah. And now yeah. that you have competent quarterback play and Kay McNamara, you got JJ McCarthy. We got another big time guy coming in. That was a that was a hire for the game because Oklahoma State had one of the better defenses in the country. They were tough. They yeah. were disciplined. They 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 were grinded out. They came and hit. That's what that hire was all. That hire right there was for the game because yeah. Ryan Day knows this much. Ohio State isn't as patient as Michigan. If Michigan comes in next year and goes oh. to the shoe. Oh, yeah. And does that again? Oh, he is on thin ice. Oh, yeah. He's he's on thin. I'm, I'm going to say this early, and we can revisit this next year. Okay. So I'm going to bookmark this. If Ohio State, I don't care if they win, if they lose to Michigan again next year, Ryan Day might not make it out of that offseason. I, okay. I could see that. He might not make it out of that. John Cooper, who's a great coach, got fired because he couldn't beat Michigan. Mm. And I think from what I've been hearing, the rumblings of this, and I said it early this season, man. I'm I'm a guru. I'm a guru now. I want to say it. I said it early this season. This was his first year without Urban's guys. Yeah. Could he do it you, without you Urban's did. boys? Can he do it without Urban's? And they looked okay. I mean, you know, I mean, they're prolific offense. But I kept saying they weren't tough. And Jim Harbaugh, I'm not saying Michigan's going to do this year in and year out where we're going to just run through teams. 
But we're going to be, if this is what he's getting back to and it looks like the offensive staff is in place, because we'll lose Gaddis next year. We're going to lose him. Mm. But he already has Mike Hart there. He has Sharoni Moore, who's a nice up-and-coming guy. They have co-OC titles. So Jim knows. he's our, And these are guys who believe in his fundamentals of we're going to run the football. Um, yeah, that was, that, was a, that was a Michigan hire. That's why Ohio State hired him. So, Well, looking ahead to next year, you mentioned about next year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something. I meant to say this earlier. B. Holmes, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go ahead and put this out there in faith. We will be at the Army-Navy game next year. Oh, yeah. We'll do it. We'll and we'll have a setup. We'll have a Blue Bloods CGT setup. It's going to be great. We might have a couple of those options happening next year. And then the other thing I wanted to say for the people that aren't watching, that you're just listening, the book I held up a second ago when we got into our rabbit trail about Dabo Swinney and uh, Jimmy Johnson is called Boys Will Be Boys. Uh, if you're a Cowboy fan, great read, easy read, very insightful read. But that's the book I was referencing. I, I just realized yeah. I held it up to the screen. <laughs> Never told but we got a lot of people that just listen. They're like, what book is he talking about? That's yeah. the book I'm talking about. And I guess, B. Holmes, man, last couple minutes here, do you want to? Do you have any nuggets for uh, early signing day? Um, I think vastly approaching. Yeah, I don't I don't I think this is a big thing for early signing day. If there's any program who's hinging on this week for early signing day and they're not most people nationally probably aren't talking about them is Texas Tech. If they land okay. Quinn Ewers, this early signing period is huge for them because Quinn, everybody knows he reclassified. So he went to school this year instead of going into school next year. Well, he would have mm -hmm. been. Um, and so still as a freshman because he didn't play in more than four games. So he still retains his freshman eligibility. But if he goes to Texas Tech, he now gets a leg up on some of these un excuse me, these kids who haven't signed yet, who would probably maybe sign early. But if he goes to Texas Tech, I guarantee you a bunch of top recruits who are who are receivers or they don't sign. I think they reevaluate thinking about going to tech, especially mm. these Texas boys. Um, because I think McGuire, man, that's a that's a home run in my opinion. I might be wrong when we look at this. When we look back at this, I think he's a home run higher for Texas Tech. Mm -hmm. Home run higher, like you said, he coached at Cedar Hill when we talked about this originally, which is a powerhouse program in mm -hmm. Texas, in the highest ranking of Texas high school football. He's a big reason why Quinn might be coming there because me and you were texting about it. He's probably going to hire Riley Dodge, who was one of um, Quinn's, who was Quinn's coach in high school. Mm -hmm. But because of his connection to all these high school football coaches, and it's a fraternity of high school football oh, coaches, yeah. he's going to be able to get in in a lot of these living rooms and be able to say, hey, I know what you're going through. I know what's going on. I'm going to take care of you. And if he lands Quinn Ewers this week, that is going to boost Texas Tech's. I w I'm going to venture and say this. If Quinn goes to Tech, Texas Tech will probably finish after signing day with a top 30 class. Mm -hmm. A lot of guys are going to read because you got to look at a guy like Zach Evans from TCU. He's in the mm -hmm. portal now. Mm -hmm. He might be interested to go. He knows Quinn. <laughs> he knows Quinn. Like mm -hmm. a lot of these guys in Texas know Quinn. And I mean, on top of that, they brought in the OC. I forget his name. Kittle, I think from Western Kentucky. They're bringing an the air raid back to Lubbock. I mean, that's where it should be. They're bringing it. So these, you know, you're going to play with who was the consensus Number one overall recruit, if he would have stayed yeah. this year. One yeah. of the highest, I think he had the highest rating of a recruit. And you can come play with this kid and you're going to throw the ball 40, 50 times a game. I think this, so he wouldn't technically be a part of the early signing period of this class. But him signing with Tech this week mm -hmm. changes the trajectory 
of their program. I think everybody else is kind of at where they're at. I mean, the we'll see what my man who just got hired at Oregon, if he can kind of keep that class. But they've they've had a ton of decommitments. Um, Crystal Ball, like he's a he's a major recruiter. So I think you're seeing like a lot of these big time names are going to kind of wait till February to kind of make their decision to let some things settle. But I think it's big for tech this week. Oh, well, and, and imagine Quinn yours. I mean, I'm just thinking, too, like you've already said, he was before he sort of forego, 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 uh, foregone. Yeah. Before forward. he chose to forego his senior yeah. year <laughs> and go. reclassify, he was the number one overall recruit. So now that's tech essentially landing the number one overall recruit for the 21 class, but spent their 2020 season not playing in a high school program, playing mm-hmm. in a Big Ten powerhouse blue yep. blood program. Mm-hmm. So it's like, man, it's that, a good you talk about program changing. If, um, I don't really have anything on early signing day other than I just I hope that the NCAA takes a good hard look at how it impacts these coaching hires and how these coaching yes. hires impact these bowl games. And then you have the opt outs. Like if you don't want these bowl games to just be completely watered down by coaches, not coaching and players, not playing, like let's look at the timeline of some of this. Stuff. I agree. I agree. That's my only thing right now. I, I mean, agree. I'm not going to get on a tangent about it, but that's, that's all I have on that. I agree. Otherwise, man, rule. something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing they could probably look at the NFL and and model something after, right? Like those guys, there's specific rules. If they're in playoff runs, if they're, you know, have postseason games and things of that nature. But let's see. We'll have to wait and see what happens. That's all I got, man. We're we're at an hour. So be homes. Yeah, I thought we did a 30-minute episode. Somehow we went on a Dabble rant, and it turned into <laughs> an hour. Um, clearly, I love Dabble Sweeney so much. But, man, we just thank you guys, man. Thank you guys for your support. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on our yes. YouTube if you've listened yes. this far. Our YouTube, we're building it brick by brick. This yep. is truly a podcast for the fans, by the fans. As We always shout some of you fans out that engage with us, man. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at It's Trey Smith for Trey, at Real B Homes for me, man. We we love engaging with you guys. It, it yeah. makes it fun. Um, even you Bama fans, I love getting your soliloquies on my YouTube videos, like your sermons, <laughs> your doctoral papers, all the stuff, you, your dissertations, everything that you give me about how wrong I am. I love it. It, it makes it fun. This is why we do what we do. Um, but oh, did you did you drop about the bowl pickums? Did we did we? Talk no, about I don't that? think so. If I did, it was an hour ago, so we yeah. can say it. We could say it again. Yeah, yeah. We, bowl pickums. It's on socials. Uh, I just put it up uh, on Sunday. I put it up on my personal Twitter at it's Trey Smith, but it's also on Facebook. If you're watching the video, it's right there down in the links below. Uh, it's our bowl pickum. It's free. Everyone does one, so just enter yours and ours. We want to yeah. see, you know, how big of a competition we could get going, and the first place winner might have a nice little uh, surprise coming their way. Yeah, man. So make sure you guys sign up for that. I'm going to text everybody in my phone that I know loves college football anyways and make them do it anyways. So, hey, man, we love you guys. I would say resting your laurels, but no one lost this week unless you're an Army fan. So um, get prepared for the offseason. Some of you guys got some big bowl games. Uh, Man, enjoy it. And we're going to continue this thing on. Make sure you stay in tune, man. College basketball season is live in effect. It Um, sure is. Trey is pumped about that. I'm not as pumped because my team doesn't look as good, but it's it's okay. I'm going to figure it out. We'll figure it out, man. Juwan Howard's the man. But, hey, man, we love you guys. Thank you guys for supporting us always. And until next time, have a great week. Peace. College football.